So, um, yeah, we were on holiday um, for what a week and a bit uh, in the mountains in Lesotho uh, last week. It feels like last month, doesn't it? And uh, I said to Mandy, Mandy was a flight attendant in an earlier years. I said to um, to Mandy, I felt a little bit like you know uh, they put a little wheel on the on the planes, and planes don't drive around; they fly around, right? So the little wheel is up there in the air, nicely tucked in, and it's flying around, and and it's glorious. And that was holiday. Was I, I was that little wheel on the plane, and then <laughs> and then we we were coming back in for a landing, and the thing went open, and there was this nice view. And the little wheel comes out, and it looks around, and the air is blowing around it, and it's going, this is glorious. And then it hits the tarmac. <laughs> and it just has to spin and carry the plane around, and you smell rubber. <laughs> and I felt a little bit like that coming back this week. And uh, yeah, you, I think you're all aware of, um, of Lucky and them that had an accident, and little Faith that passed away. So that's sort of what what... But what I hit when I hit the tarmac back here was, was that reality, that life is not just all a ski trip. Uh, actually, things happen. And uh, so first of all, I want to say to each and every one, yeah, like, well done. <laughs> I didn't cry <call> yesterday. <laughs> But well done uh, for, for just looking after them uh, in that week that I wasn't here. And um, it's not up to me. It is up to us to look after each other. And well done, uh, each and every one, for everything you did. And, and you might sit here and say, well, I didn't do anything. But that's the incredible thing of, of being part of a body. You know, it's like if... Uh, if I start crying and I wipe my tears with my hand, you know, then the rest of my body could say, but I didn't do anything. But it is being part of the body. The hand cannot exist without the arm. And uh, so well done to each and every one uh, for, for being there for the family. And uh, like he said to me uh, during the week, somewhere, he said they are properly overwhelmed. Um, they feel so humbled by everything they received and the love of each and every person um, in this time. So, and then they started encouraging me. So, <laughs> so if anybody carried me through yesterday when we had the funeral, it was actually Lucky and and Vuiswa or Miriam, as we know her. Um, they actually carried me through their own daughter's funeral. So, an incredible testimony of God's love and what it does in us is, uh, is the family. Spend time with, with Lucky and, and Vizua. I've gotten to know them better now in this time. And uh, what a depth of God's love and what character. Un, unreal. It's, they are a gem among, among us. Don't miss out on getting to know them very well. Um, yesterday, I cried enough that uh, I didn't need my glasses at the end of the day. Where's my wife? She's an optometrist. 
where is Lizon? Missing. Um, walking somewhere there in the back. So I don't know if she, she saw that, but in the end, uh, I was reading without my glasses. see that yesterday I read my notes without my glasses yesterday maybe it was just God <laughs> so I couldn't find them so it's like I was reading them and I was going yeah oh, wow I'm, I'm actually reading this <laughs> yeah. so yeah back to happier times um, can you put that scripture up the first one in Proverbs it says in the fear of the Lord one has uh, uh, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, is a word, and his children will have a refuge. Strong confidence. The next one. I've got a couple of verses. Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of his Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So we have confidence and we have hope. And joy. You saw that, huh? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can stop there for now. Something that, that I saw this week was that, you know that you have to prepare for life. Like if you want to eat, you have to prepare the food and then you can eat it. And I realized that sometimes it could be too late. Sometimes if you didn't prepare, it could be too late. And uh, the Bible speaks about being, being prepared in season and out of season. Um, if, if, if it becomes time to see time, tijd om te ploeg en te plant. Dan sit te laat om die trekker recht te maak. As het klaar gereen het, die eerste reen, en nou moet jy ploeg, en hy stap na die skeer toe, en hy, oh gats, ja die trekker het laatste jaar gebreek toe ons geoes het. En nou, nou werk hy nie, nou wil ons om recht maak. Dan sit te laat. It could be too late to prepare. And, uh, and that was quite a, quite a thing for me. I was, yo, I, I was nice on holiday and then <laughs> I came back and it would have been too late to prepare then. It would, would have been too late to form a relationship with Lucky and Miriam then. I had to have a relationship with them. And it's not about me, it's about us. It would have been too late for us then. It would have been too late for Miriam and Lucky to have a relationship with God this week. it definitely would have been too late for faith. So, lucky led his daughter to the Lord last year. She already gave her heart to the Lord when she was a little girl. And well done to those in the children's ministry. Mandy, Dirk, who else? Who else has been in the children's ministry that's still here? Not the guys that's out there now doing it. But who else? Lynette, John, through the years, anybody that's been involved through the years, well done. Because that was 
They were sowing into a life in time. Not too late. And, uh, yeah, he told me, he said, she, he looked at her and she was growing older. It was her birthday. And he said to her, you know, uh, I read in the Bible that children above the age of 12, 13 in the Bible got married and had children. Mary might have been 14 or something when she had Jesus. Hmm? God gave Mary Jesus when she was 14, somewhere there. Hello? How old are you? 15. Rech for Jesus. To be the mother of Jesus. Nie nou al hoor. Jou pa maak om dood. Then we'll have to raise the children. <laughs> but there, there you go. Eh? Twelve, that in, and lucky letter to the Lord as a grown-up person, not just as a child. He said, "You know, you need to accept God into your life as a as a grown-up now." And she did. And how incredible! Because it wasn't too late. It was in season. It was the right time for her. And um, yeah, and I, I, it made me think. You know, uh, we went we went on a ski trip to Lesotho, which was happier times. And uh, I've never skied before. Who skied before? I know there are some people. Yeah, <laughs> go if you ever can go. Go. It is. It is. It was the most fun I've had in years. Like on this side of eternity. That's the most fun you can have. Countless. Countless times. If you don't fall, you're not having fun. That was the rule. Yeah, and if you don't, if you're afraid to fall, you'll never learn to ski. It's okay, you fall on snow. It's okay. So, but they start off, I'll give you some training so that if you get an opportunity, you've got a head start. How's that? So they start you off and they show you how to slow down. So that's the first thing you need to know is how to slow down. So they call it wedging. You put your feet like this, pointing toes to to one another, and that slows you right down, which is great. So it's actually very easy. You just point your toes to one another, and you slow. And you'll stop eventually, and you don't need those little sticks. Never use them. They say it's unnecessary, and um, and it was great. And that was the first hour or so we did that. And then they took us up a little hill. So we're sort of like flat snow, right? And then they took us up a little hill. There's a little little thing that drags you up the hill, right? Not a snow lift yet. It's just a little, little thingy. And then you get to the hill, and all of a sudden, you do the whole wedging thingy, but it doesn't work that well anymore because you're not on flat snow. And you, you have to really push in, and then, then you eventually do stop and... I was laughing because at that point, <laughs> there's a girl that will be unknown to us. She is really unknown. It's not my wife. She went up a little bit higher than us, thinking she's got the confidence, right? And then she came down past us, and they've got these orange barriers. You know the ones that they use when they dig the holes in Oatswaran to lay down the fiber? Exactly those. They, they put them on poles to stop you from going off the edge, Right? And she went over that. She like head first. She's like onto it and then over and skis coming past her and, uh, and her legs in the air. And I went, okay, we're going to be okay. 
goes, we're not going to be that bad. <laughs> so nothing I do can top that now. So I'm fine. I can fall. <laughs> she took one for the team. But that was amazing. We, we actually got it right. And we grew in confidence. And that's the thing is, and it, and it brought, that scripture, it brought, it, it brought joy. It was so much fun. And then there's the main slope, and you can go up the main slope. So we started going down. Benjamin got it really quickly, somehow. Um, and uh, now you, you've got to, if you really want to ski, you don't see people ski like this. I'm, I'm sure you've seen James Bond ski, you know, on one ski. So I want to see how he does that for real. But um, people don't ski like this, like goofy. They ski like this. And then they jump down and they've got these little sticks and snow spraying out the one side. That's the picture, isn't it? So then you start doing that. The thing is, the moment that you put your feet together, you really start moving very quickly. This is ice we're talking about and a hill. And then you wedge. And it does, that slows you down some. But what you really have to do is you have to do a whole new thing. You've got to go sideways. And then you stop. So you start getting that right. And we did. We all got it. And then you go to the main slope. But you don't have to go all the way. And in fact, you're not allowed all the way up. They assess you. So you go up half. It's actually just a third. It's about a third of the main slope. And uh, I'm telling you, this is now it's a ski lift. So you go up and you get there. And it's... All of a sudden, it's very high. And the end, there's that orange barrier. And after that, there's stairs and concrete and a building. And I'm going, goodness. And it's high. I mean, you're probably two stories up at that point. And, and it's not that far away. I'm going, I'm going to get speed here. And then I'm going to go through the window of that building. <laughs> and I forgot everything. I started going down, because there's only one way down. You're going to go down on the skis. And you, you point them downwards, and you start going faster, and you wedge. <laughs> Which you, and then you wedge all the way to the bottom, and somehow you do run a little bit out of speed, and you grab onto the orange thing at the end. And that was my first run down the main third of the slope, was like this. <laughs> very, very unsportsmanlike. It's like <laughs> all dignity's gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> and uh, and then you go, okay, I'm going to try this again. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and the second time, I remembered. Wait a minute, parallel. Go down, turn. Go the other way. Turn, go the other way. And I got it. Wow. But every time I turned, you know, you go to like on the slope like this, and then you're turning, and the moment you turn, you pick up speed, and then you wedge. Because you go, and then, and I, so after a day of that, the next day, Benjamin already went from the top of the, t the main slope which according to a guy from Alaska that taught us, what was his name? Gilly. Gilly from Alaska taught us how to ski. According to Gilly, this slope, the main slope, is it probably rate 
the, the middle section as a black slope in, in America. So it's, that's quite something. That's, you get like, it starts, I think, with green and blue. And he says the midsection there, it isn't because it's not long enough. But he said if it was three times longer, it would be rated black. So I'm going, that's quite hectic for a first timer. In Europe, they won't allow you on it. <laughs> I think. I hope. <laughs> yeah. They let you go, yeah. You can kill yourself if you want to. <laughs> but then, long story short, I went up to the main, main slope. So I went up. You take seven minutes on the ski lift to get to the top. Six minutes. Benjamin went more than I did. So seven minutes. You go up and up and up and you get to the top. And I kid you not, you get up off the ski lift at the top and the very thing they say is don't clatter the top. Like, get off the lift and go. Don't just stand around, because the next guy is coming up. So you you get out of the way, and there you go. Guess what? I forgot everything. After two days of training, I forgot everything. I just went, ah! <laughs> The scariest thing was this. It wasn't enough. You cannot wedge yourself to a stop down the main slope. You cannot. You go faster and faster. You're wedging all you can, but you are just going faster and faster. Bish, I just fell. <laughs> on purpose. I just went, it's on video. <laughs> they were good enough to follow me with a GoPro and film me. <laughs> so video will come later. <laughs> but I actually fell out of self-defense, you know. It's like, and then got up and, and somehow I got down. And guess what? I went again. <laughs> and I think the third time I went down, I remembered, wait a minute, parallel skis, turn, parallel skis, turn. And by the end of four days, okay, here's an important part. So I really, I, down the main slope, especially the big, the, 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 the black part, I, I couldn't get it right. Every time I turn, I, I would just, something in my head would snap and I'd go back to the old. And I would, I would just, which was safe, but it isn't. <laughs> so I'm trying to be safe, but it's not safe. And then I somehow get through a turn or I just fall. And Michael was following me around and I said, Mike, what am I doing wrong? Look at me. Like, because sometimes you can see somebody else that follows you around can maybe see what you can't see. What am I doing that doesn't, because something I'm doing is not right. And Mike's quote was this, dad, oh, <laughs> a little bit more of the story. Benjamin had a whole following of youth. <laughs> following him around. <laughs> and they, they've been skiing for years, the other kids. Three, four years they've been coming there. And, uh, and they were really proficient. And these kids were skiing up and down and up and down and jumping over things and stuff. And... Uh, and Michael said to me, and he pointed to the one girl, what is her name? Diane. He pointed to Diane and he said, Dad, you have to have confidence. And I looked at this little girl going down the slope. She wasn't even going side to side. She was going straight down, going like, like in the movies, you know, snow, snow going out that side. And it's just throwing her little hips around this little girl. 
straight down, as much speed as she can go. And he said, Dad, you just need confidence. And I went, I've done this. I've done this. I've done that other half, third thing. I can do this. And I got up and I went straight down and I went side to side and I lived. (laughs) And it was fun. (laughs) And I didn't fall. I got to the end of the slope and I threw my hips out and I came to a screeching halt at the end and then went down and round. And I got to the ski lift one thing and I sat down and there were some new people. This is day three, right? So new people that came today falling around there. And I looked at them and went, shame. (laughs) Join me on the lift. (laughs) The people that can't ski. (laughs) We're going up the main slope now. (laughs) But a long story God's kingdom is a little bit like this when we get saved. When we first meet God, we only learn to wedge. We only learn to slow down. The thing is, then we grow up a bit. And uh, Paul wrote this. He says, it's Paul that wrote this. He said, when I was a child... I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. I did the things of a child. But now that I have grown, I have let go of the childish things that I once used to do. And now I walk into maturity. And that's the parallel skis. And this morning we heard this. God is taking us as a congregation into the new. And I think... Moving this to this building is a sign of that. It isn't why. We're not something new because we moved. We are being moved because God wants to do something new in us. It's part of his plan for us. But not just physically new. God wants to do something new in us spiritually. And here's our part. What brought us here is not going to take us forward. And we might forget, because I think we might be on a little intermediate slope now with God. And now it's time to start going parallel skis. We can't wedge anymore. What does that mean for us as a congregation? Well, I wrote some stuff down. (laughs) <laughs> I yeah uh, there's, a, there's a scripture that says this my people perish for a lack of, of vision so what is our vision as Justin Oatsworn what is our vision I think we very important we call Justin Oatsworn and we're part of a bigger context. We're part of Josh Jen. And I can't even say Josh Jen South Africa anymore. God has just popped Josh Jen into the nations. So it is now Josh Jen International. Because <laughs> there's a Josh Jen in America and one in Australia. So if you go on an, 
outreach to another Josh Chin. You might have to buy a plane ticket now. Mauritius, there is one there. Gordon Hicks leads Josh Chin and Mauritius. And um, we are part of that. So, first of all, I want to share with you some of the words over Josh Jen in the years. Uh, I've been in Josh Jen for more than 20 years now. Mandy, you also, yeah. So, Josh Jen was birthed. Um, I'm not going to go there. Just to, <laughs> that's a different story. Um, some of the visions that was brought to Justin is this. That Justin would be a blueprint church. So, what is a blueprint in Afrikaans? Huh? A, a blowdruk. Yeah, a blowdruk plan. What is that? What is a blowdruk? The original so when people, when they design something, they, they, they create a blueprint. And that's the thing that you go back to every time. So you want to have that. And then you, you start a new, you, you make a lot of it. And somewhere along the manufacturing, you have to go, what was the blueprint again? Because in the manufacturing process, things water down. If you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, later on you can't even see what it was. And that's why you have a blueprint. And God said this to Justin, I want to make you into a blueprint church. And later, we were like, what, 30, 40 people that got this word from God. We're going to be a blueprint church. This amount of people. Blueprint. And we're going, What? Yes, God, because that's just what we did then. We do it. Don't even know what it means. We'll just do it. And then God said he wants to change the way that the West does church through Joshua generation. Forty people. And you go, what? How would we change the West, the world? Forty people. But now, Joshua generation of uh, 42 congregations. And we're part of an organization called 412. That was birthed out of Joshua. And we do fly into the nations. American people came to us at the beginning of this year into the elders meeting, uh, the elders camp we had, and said, please come to America. We need what you have. America has lost its way. And we went, what about the great churches of America? And they went, no, we need what you have. We're planting churches as 412 in Europe, where the Reformed Church started. In Switzerland, in the Netherlands. And we have sent people there from here. A blueprint church that will change the way that the West does church. Where, does, where do we fit in? Oturin. We're part of that vision. We need to be a blueprint church. So that people from the nations can come and see. And say, 
you have something we don't have. Now, I'm going to tell you this. This week, people from across South Africa said to me, you have something that we haven't seen. With the way that this congregation looked after the Matandu family, people from across this, this country came to me and said, you have something we haven't seen. Like his brother came to me and he said, I might have to repent, Pastor. I said, do, repent. He said, who do I talk to? I said, talk to Lucky. <laughs> he can lead you to the Lord. He's led his daughter to the Lord. He knows how. So, yes, this is how they'll know that you are my disciples, by the way you love one another. But that is just the beginning for us. There's way more. So what is the more? Well, that's what we're going to walk into next week. <laughs> it is. But it's, we have a vision, yeah, for this congregation that people from Josh Jen will come and check the blueprint here. That people from Cape Town, because we, we tend to think Cape Town's good and great and stuff. I've been there, it's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> grew up there they're not better than us actually there's, there's some prophetic words over just not just Josh Jen but the Klein Karua that people from across the world will come here and experience God without going to church that just being here in this environment they will get something of who God is and we'll go back home changed. We have to draw the wells. And um, so I'll give, you a, I'll give you a hint for next week. <laughs> what do we do this week? How do we, what do we do differently? We need to get into the presence of God. But we need to do that, not yeah, on a Sunday. We need to do that tomorrow at home. And uh, they are tools, and we'll look at them together. But are you desperate for the presence of God in your life? I am. Desperate. And if you want to know what desperate feels like, just keep your breath for a little while. Just see how long can you not breathe. I Do that tomorrow as part of your, your time, quiet time, before you start spending time with God tomorrow, right? Hold your breath. Time yourself. I'd like to know who can do it for the longest. And then you'll feel there's a time... That no matter what you do, you will not hold your breath. You will not pass out. None of us have that in us. You will become so desperate for air that you will breathe. And that's desperate. And then you hold on to that feeling and you go, God, I need your spirit like I need air. And then, wrapping it up. We can have great confidence. 
we can have great confidence. You know what? Like, and nothing changed in me or nothing changed in my ability when my son said to me, Dad, you just need to be confident. Just get up. Just be confident. Something, yeah, and yeah, changed in my heart. It went like, I can do this. I got up and I did it. And I must say, it was probably one of the most profound moments for me. I've surfed, I've skydived, I've done many action sports. I love adrenaline sports. I love it. But this has been one of the most profound moments for me in in action sport for myself where I could draw a line between confidence and no confidence and the difference that it made. And these scriptures took on a new meaning for me. Have confidence in God. What does that mean? It means that God will do what he says he would do and I can have confidence. And I have confidence that God is going to do what he said he was going to do in us. That, that this congregation would actually become something. And, and we already are. But more, of, more than what we are. That in worship, in giving, in reaching to the lost, in loving one another... In every aspect of the gospel, in serving God, in shining God's love to the world around us, people would start going and saying, we want to be like that. What do you have that we don't have? I have confidence that God is taking us there. Do you have confidence? Because it's just, we just have to run and do it. Bernard wants to say something. Just on this point, uh, a little testimony, one minute. I've got a family member, and he's a pastor. He's been in ministry. He's going on 60 now. So he's been in ministry for 30 slash 40 years. He's seen a lot of things, traveled all over the world, been involved in many ministries. um, And his son attended Josh Chen, started attending one of our congregations about two months ago. And he said, after only two months of his son, which he took along in ministry uh, for many years, uh, attending Josh Chen, he said he's never seen anything like this. So I just thought I'd share that. Yeah, never seen anything like it. We are the salt of the world. We are the light shining into darkness. I have confidence in the one that provides the light. That makes it rain 10, 20, 100 millimeters over the whole of the clan go to a one shot. I have confidence in, in that God. So this morning, what, what would the call be for us? I think... If you, if you lack confidence, or you, even if, if you have confidence, I'd like, I'd like all of us to stand. Because some of us have confidence, and you can stand because you have confidence. And some of us lack confidence. And I'm telling you, standing with the rest that have confidence will give you confidence. If you run out onto the field, 
in the winning team. And you're the world champs. And you wear a green jersey with a little springbok on it. <laughs> you have confidence. <laughs> 